Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, here we go again. Another episode of the Clap Trap. I am back again in the booth with Coach Kamire. Sean, how are we doing today? Stupendous. Stupendous. We need to have like a word of the day or every single time you come in here and like what's the new way you're feeling or something. Yeah, I got to just study up on... Uh, Ever since know, Cam Newton, I yeah. think we've had like a new word every time that you come in here, how yeah. you're feeling and everything. I'll get in the, the vocab dictionary uh, yeah. there. All right, nice. And uh, yeah, so feeling stupendous right now, um, especially with the way that our teams are doing or, or specifically the Celtics. You feeling, you're feeling still stupendous at this point? Eh. eh. Okay, all right. So I did want to start off with them today. Um because they just had a game against the Hornets, breaking their three-game losing streak, which was just puke-worthy, I think. I know that we had a lot of injuries or people sitting out. Kemba, you know, he wasn't playing back-to-backs, all this kind of stuff. Robert Williams was out. But, I mean, what, what are we talking about here, losing three games in a row right after we thought that they had come back, right? We had thought that they had figured things out, and then you just go. And, I, I mean, I guess technically it's four out of the last six games we've lost, right? Because you lost that Bulls game. Great win against the Suns. Then it's Nets, Hornets, Thunder, back-to-back-to-back losses there. So, yeah, eh, I guess would be the way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, uh, after – I mean, we, we're just not a good basketball team if Rob Williams isn't out there. He does definitely – it seems to change – I mean, it's him and it's Marcus Smart that can really, like, change yeah. the way we play, right? Yeah, I mean, when, when he's not out there, I feel like we're just exposed – because now, now there is no Tice. No, nope, no Tice. Uh, I feel like we're just so exposed down in the paint. Tristan Thompson does what he can, uh, but I still think that he's... Tristan Thompson's turning into a cancer. He's like <laughs> got this whole cheating scandal with <laughs> well, Chloe Kardashian oh, and all this. You and knew that that was I knew this gonna was going to happen. Yeah, That's why I didn't did want him. I said this from the jump. <laughs> he's going to come right around playoff time. We need it most. Of yep. course, now he's going to go cheat on his baby mama. Uh-huh. Like, what the heck? I thought I don't know. I don't even really want to get into the drama side of things no. there, but like I thought that what so this is just a repeat of what has already happened with this guy. Doesn't he do this all the time? Yes. He cheats on her yeah, all the time. Exactly. But why it's is just it like, still a story? But it's just like it's just distractions in the locker room. So and like you know he's dealing with it on the other side and like yeah he's not playing well. It's not helping. You know what I right. mean? It's, yeah. It's it's a it's one a, thing leads to the other. And, and you know and he can only do so much as it is. I, I I know that he's consistent when he's on and he can be a good rebounder and things like that. But you're not going to get a ton offensively from him. And in fact, anytime I see him dribbling the ball, I'm actually very upset, right? I need I him watched to him last night make it. a terrific offensive rebound yeah. and then miss the easiest shot I've and then ever he's just seen like in my dribbling life. Around. He's he trying literally to like... was point blank away from the rim <laughs> on a wide open layup and just completely rifled it off the backboard yeah, and missed. And I was tough. just like Tristan, buddy. It's not <laughs> it's not even like Ennis Cantor level when he comes to he, he'll get the offensive rebound, but you know how Ennis Cantor used to always just like lightly put it back oh, up yeah. there. That was like the only thing he could do. Yes, he, uh, he Tristan struggles Thompson, to just put it back in the in the hoop. I, he like, needs oh to be, God. yeah, I don't want him really with the ball in his hand. I see him sometimes getting that offensive rebound, then he's dribbling, backing down a little bit, and I'm just like, no, please pass it away. I'm not trying to see that right now. But I, I don't think that's the biggest weakness right now, though it is something, and obviously if that's going to be a distraction with the Kardashians or whatever, is that going to affect us now that we're – this is the, the final push, right? We are about to go into the home stretch of the season. You only have, uh, what is it, 12 games left or something like mm. that? Um, and you're sitting at 33-30. and 30. You're tied for sixth in, in the East with the Heat at this point after this little you know losing streak, basically, is what you can call it because they I, I can't believe that they lost those three games in a row, especially the, the Thunder game. 
Don't even get me started on that, that was one. Horrible, bro. Uh, I mean, like, like we, we, how do you lose to that team? But like, that's it's like what they've been doing all season. And really I is. understand it's like with like a, a, you know, you only had Jalen Brown in that game. Really, was, it doesn't. It shouldn't matter. There was nobody else it on the not court matter. that should have been like. I'm Peyton Pritchard does everything he can. He balls out. Mm-hmm. I love Peyton Pritchard. Oh yeah, more. But that's the thing. And I was talking about this the other day. Uh, is like. I love Peyton Pritchard for what he can do, but I don't need to. I don't want to have to rely on him for scoring, right? I need. I need him to be able to do his game. I don't want him fully focused on scoring only. I think that takes away from him. He can do it, mm-hmm. and he can do it every once in a while, especially against certain matchups. But I want him doing everything else, kind of like how I talk about Marcus Smart. I want him involved in everything, a little bit of everything, rather than being so focused on just scoring. I think that takes away some of the things from yeah, him. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Moving forward after this year, I mean, I think our ideal lineup is going to turn into something like Pritchard at the point, Marcus at the two, then you have Jalen and Jason, and then Lobb. Okay. Or if we go out and get a legitimate big man, that would be nice. But so that could lead I, into. My, I really don't think Kemba's working out here, man. I was gonna say that's gonna lead into one of my major questions because I wanted to ask the big questions for the Celtics heading into the home stretch. Right, the very first one that I have on the list: Can we count on Kemba Walker? I mean, no. I feel like that's a fair thing to ask. I know that throughout the season. He hasn't been doing the back-to-backs, and they'll say, like, oh, no, he he's probably healthy enough. We're just taking it easy on him. But is that really the case, or are you just giving me a bunch of smoke, right? Uh, I don't – can we count on that player for a run here? Because you're going to need him. Make no mistake, when he is on, that is when the Celtics are at their best, right? Oh, That's yeah. when we can compete with the better teams. But can you count on that? I don't know, man. In a seven-game series, is he gonna is he going to play one game? That's what I'm saying. And then have to sit out game two? Because if that's the case, like I'm sorry, like I'm let's just start Pritchard and like let's roll with that. What are we even doing if that's the? I I understand that when he's on, he's hot and the team looks much better when you have three a three headed dragon instead of just the two guys there. But yeah. if if I can't rely on you to like you said, you play one game and then the next game you're completely gone. Whether it's because you can't play enough minutes because of your knees or you, you know you don't you don't have the gas, whatever it is or you're just not shooting consistently enough, and then you just completely shoot us out of the game, because he will do that too. Mm. I, I don't know if you can count on him going forward. And with what you just said, with like you'd rather have Peyton Pritchard in the starting lineup starting next year, so you're pretty much, you're, you're like, show up or get the heck out, right? Yeah. Like, that's where you're at. Big time. Uh, and I listened to Mike Gorman have an interview the other day, mm-hmm. and he was talking about I love how, Gorman this year. He's, like, he's oh, letting he's it fly. It. He's, really, he's really doing a good job. <laughs> he does, I, I don't know if it's the old age, but... And, he was talking about how this team, and we've talked about it before, how mm-hmm. we don't have any veteran leadership. Right. There's no Al Horford. And no. Like we kind of like, you know, it's, it's the kids running the playground. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like no... you know, Jalen and Jason. They yep. are just kids and all this it's stuff. Great. You and got they, the team now. What can you do with it? Exactly. And like, you look at somebody like Kemba Walker, who's you know, like, no matter what you want to say about the guy, you're a veteran in this league. Yeah, supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to be the guy who can like, you know, get the team serious when they need to be serious, but also like lift the guys up when they need to be lifted right. up and then like also like you know talk down on guys when they need it of course you know, and, and they need a kick in the butt i will say he's been a great cheerleader in all the games that he sits out you always pan over to him and you see him clapping it up and getting the guys all riled up i don't that's not really what i want to be paying you for but Man, i guess like that's okay i can't, i can't say this enough <laughs> kemba walker is literally just happy to be there yeah i yeah you might be right man you might be right that is like the i can't just like he's just i oh, get it you're always happy you're always smiling but dude like you're, There's not you a just lot of seem doubt. like you're happy yeah. to be on the team. Like yeah. you don't, you're not, you're not really like 
you know, it's doing not, anything crazy. You're not doing anything in the locker room. You're not doing anything to get in anybody's face. You're like, yep. tell like Jason Tatum, you need to be doing this, or Jalen Brown, you need to be right, doing that. Right. You're a veteran in the league. He's Act definitely like taking it. the back seat. He's he's backing yeah. off. Like, no, and he's no, just yeah, like, you guys oh, yo, y'all it. are good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'll shoot a couple threes, a couple steps. You know, I mean, yep. I, I'll smile after I miss. And yep. I'm like, and that's fine. I'm done with it, dude. Yeah. You know, we're in the playoffs now, man. I'm done with the smiling, bro. Like, you got to produce or get the hell out. It's tough, man. You're you're a great player. You say all the right things. And I said this when we got him. Uh, he's going to say all the right things. He's going to be the player that you love, and it's going to be so hard to be frustrated at him because mm. he is smiling all the time. He's happy. He brings the energy up and all mm. that stuff, and it's a happy-go-lucky, I'm going to make best friends with everybody on the team thing. But at the end of the day, we're trying to win championships here. Mm. And so when we get to that that tough series, can I count on you? Can I rely on you to be the gritty guy and not just the fun-loving guy on the sideline giving high fives and dapping everyone up? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, man. I, I don't feel know. like uh, it's it's just tough to see in like, situations this year where we're – we're down or we're like losing a game or something and you know he'll miss like a wide open like step back or something what of that nature and then he's like smiling as he runs back over and i'm like dude like at some point you got to take this seriously i got the i need you and when i say take it serious i need you to get to your corner jumper there that that uh you know corner free throw line jumper that he always gets to i don't love seeing him jacking up the threes i know that's the way that the team has worked this year but mm. we look our best when he dribble penetrates and either pulls up for that little jumper right at the free throw line oh, yeah. or he dishes that's yeah. that's when he's at his best that's when he's taking it serious in my mind i feel like you see less and less of that because the knees aren't where mm-hmm. they need to be he's not as confident as exactly. as, as creating all that acceleration and then all of a sudden, deceleration, putting all the brakes on those joints. Yep. He, I feel like he right just up. hasn't been doing that as much as he's been known for doing it. It's that. unfortunate. I hate that an injury has got to bring a player to this level here. I hated it when it happened to Isaiah Thomas. I hate it when it happens to any of the players that it does happen to, but it's a fact. It's a factor in this, and I'm sorry. we got to be kind of a little cutthroat sometimes with this stuff if you want to win. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. So that's one of my major questions for the Celtics in the home stretch here. Now, the second question that I have is when we already kind of talked about him here is Robert Williams. He's a clear game changer for the way that we can play offensively, defensively, whatever you want to talk about having that big body in there. Yes. He gets bullied a little bit by like the Embiid's of the world, but how many of those do you run into? So we just had another stint of Robert Williams being injured for a little bit. Right. And that's been his major thing against him. He was out for, I don't know how many games was it four five, six games. Are we going to be able to, have a healthy Robert Williams when it matters because he's been, I thought, pretty good injury-wise throughout the majority of the season. But now you have this little stint here and you see how much different the team is without him, and that really scares me, in all honesty. Mm. Like, going into this, it's so close to the playoffs. What's the deal with the knee? What's the deal with the, you know what I mean? Like, how's how's he recovering, basically? Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, when Robert Williams isn't on the court, we're uh, far less... Uh, of a basketball team than we are when he is on the court. Uh, I feel like all season, it's been like almost like a two-week on and a two-week off. With right, him. right. It's like the Celtics, will, he'll be in the lineup for two weeks and we'll look amazing. We'll, we'll win like four or five games in a row. We're doing all right. We're like everything's rolling. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like he's on the injury report. And it's like almost, it's always like a phantom injury where you never really know exactly when he got hurt. Right. Or, you know, no one really knows. Just all of a sudden springs up. Exactly. And it's like, oh, left knee soreness. And now he's out for two weeks. So, and it's just like, 
all right, like, is he just being a baby? Right. Is he being lazy? Now, in the beginning of the year, I thought that that was maybe the team just being like, all right, Rob, I know you want to go here, but we're going to have you sit down because we know your injury history and we know something could go wrong here. So we're going to we're going to shut you down. But now after this longer stint recently, I'm wondering, is there really actually an issue here? Yeah, is I this mean, something that could pop up in the first round, second round? Because if you lose a player like that in the second round of the playoffs against one of these bigger teams that we're going to have to face here, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how we're going to compete, I mean, really. It seems to me that like uh, it's consistent with uh, some sort of a tendon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ligament-type injury where there was an excessive change in load. He right. went from playing... 15, 20 minutes per game to now being relied on to play 30, right. you know, and which he the, wanted, which we all want 35, 40 minutes a game. If we can get him up there, you know, get him to as many minutes as we can exactly. in there, it's going to be better for the team. And I feel like ever since we've changed that load, uh, yeah. th- that, that overuse injury has started to act up. And like now that's what, that's why you see him and he's in, he's good for a couple weeks and then so it tough. starts getting irritated and now he's out for two weeks. And so it's do like, we... you're, you're going to continue to play that game of like, how much can we really push this guy before he's going to have to right. sit out for a week or two? And you need him for this home stretch, right? You're yep. going to need him. Yeah, he has to, to play. Get, we, we're, in, we're tied for six right now he has with to play. the Heat. We need to get as close to the four seed as we can. This is a fourth seed talented team that's at a six uh, you know, seed level right now. I, I don't know how that's happening. You need to get up there a little bit higher because if we get into the play, play-in situation – and then something like that pops up. One of these injuries, which we're now talking about multiple possible injuries here that could spring up, that could devastate us. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, it's something that we need to... It's fair to worry about, I think. Yeah. You know? And uh, I obviously wanted more minutes for him. That was one of the things we talked about going into the season. We wanted more Rob Williams. But if that means that he's going to pop up on the injury report too much and we can't rely on him, I don't know. I guess you have to take the minutes away a little bit more. I, I don't know. I personally think that, uh, you know... Losing Tice is is hurting us big okay. time. So man. you are coming into that thought. Not the fact that I don't. I didn't want Tice to start. Right. I just feel like having Tice on the bench would have been so much better. Oh, they I, assumed it, that this Cornette kid was going to be able to fill in for some minutes and take a little bit of the load off. Awful. I would assume he's not good. He's horrible. Um, he's like the worst seven footer in the NBA. <laughs> no, well, worse than was Taco. That Mo Wagner guy was he seven footer because he was even worse. He, he was, was trash. horrible. I don't. Even, I can't even decide for the two of them at yeah. this point, honestly. But <laughs> they're basically the same guy. Yeah. But, so that's going to be the the second major question, I think. You know, you 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 have Robert Williams. You have a guy who is budding into a legitimate, uh, you know, has a legitimate role on this team specifically and can change the game for you. Is he going to stay healthy? That's going to be a big question mark for me right there. The next question that I have is how much longer do we have to wait for Fournier to recover from COVID-19? I'm sorry, uh, but I'm already frustrated by him right now. You saw him starting in the last night's game. He went one for seven. He was he was back to throwing up bricks left and right, and I, I just don't think that I can wait much longer. Where we're in this final stretch of the season, we need that you know mid uh, that trade deadline asset to come back to those couple of games where he was lights out, right? Or or get close to it somewhere. Meet me in the middle, maybe. I don't know. Just he's, don't be absolute trash. He's exactly you said absolute trash. I, that's you can't have. He's that. not good at basketball. So I could beat him one on one. I'm he, confident. He, he had those few games where he looked like he was shooting the lights out, and it was like, okay, maybe we have something here. Then he gets Corona, and you and you take and, the setback. And maybe I missed something. I never watched him play before he was at Celtic. Uh, but I, to me, I've just watched him and watched him and watched him for the past two months or whatever since we've gotten him, acquired right. him, and he's done. I've not seen him yet 
have one positive moment for the Celtics. Up. Apparently, he had a couple of good games that I might have missed. But like, that was it. That was really that's all he's had is he hit a bunch of threes. And uh, I, I look, I keep looking at this trade, mm. and we we really screwed up, man. I, hey, you know you you know that I have problems with Danny Age uh, on this. It seems like uh, it, you know he was forced into a trade here. Like he he actually succumbed to all of the peer pressure that he was getting from the media or something or us or whatever it was. And he just makes this trade just hey, to make a trade. In no one's putting a gun to your head right. and saying you, you have didn't to trade have to Tice do this, away, man. You didn't have to you do that trade. Like I've been saying, there was no, no one in. No one would have been mad from in the Celtics organization. You tell me, no one would have been mad if you just said Tice, you're not a starter anymore. Right, you're going to sit on the bench, and then we're going to have Rob Williams go and start. Yeah, no, I mean, anybody's mad in that situation. No. Then we keep the team exactly how it was. Maybe he wasn't willing to take that role. Maybe that's why they had to get rid of him, whatever it is. I, I'm still fine with getting rid of Tice, but the the need or the, the feeling of a need to go get a player like Fournier, who's not really going to help this team and yet cut into the trade exception that everyone was so excited about up to $19 million of that $28 million there. You just cut into that for what? a rental player that you're probably not going to sign if he continues to play at this level. So there was literally no reason to do that trade whatsoever in my mind. No, I think that trade really hurt us. And then if we're going to stick with the trade topic, man, you watch someone like uh, Scary Terry last night. Oh, jeez. And I'm honestly going back and forth in my head, and I'm like... Wishing that you had him instead of Kemba? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and, and as, as bad as that is, it's like, I really wish that, you know, t- I think Terry, having developed another, you know couple years with mm-hmm. us would be what far greater of an impact player on this Celtics roster than Kemba he would have had more to give you more he defensively been, he would have had arguably, more health. arguably more offensively yeah. uh, and he's a he, I think he's a better mesh guy with just everyone else because he, he would have been playing with them for the only thing that I always say about scary Terry I'm not a big fan of him and that's because of how I feel like he was one of the major cancers that screwed up that whole locker room when we had Kyrie when you had Gordon Hayward and the injuries and then all of a sudden, uh, Scary Terry becomes a thing. He becomes this big, li- larger-than-life ego. And all of a sudden, he's you know not going to go back to just being a role player, which I understand he, he has shown that he can be a starter in the league. That's fine. Yeah. But at the time, it was like, you're Terry Rozier. Relax. You've had a few good playoff games. I need you to not be a cancer in this mm-hmm. locker room. And he did it anyways. And then that whole thing imploded, as we know. Yeah. And now we are where we are. So I'm still a little resenting of him in that standpoint Mm -hmm. but if we had gotten people out of the way for him to be the next player i'm sure he would have been happy right yeah by no means did i want would i say that i mean honestly i look at it and yeah i think terry rosier could have found himself in a starting role role in the celtics he i think if you had terry marcus well obviously at that moment you still had kyrie irving so assuming that you were going to continue having kyrie irving that takes out terry rosier's starting role right and i think that's truly what his role is i think he He wants to be a starter he should be a starter he's a sixth man Okay, yes. I think All right. I, for a good team, I think he's a six man and like he'd be a damn good six man. Oh yeah, but, he would. But I don't think his ego would let that not exactly. after you create that, scary that Terry. That is the where's where you run into the problems so with that's a guy a problem. like that. But still it's just like another questionable trade on Danny Ainge's record, in yeah. my opinion. Hey, he's got a ton of them, and now you can't even call him Trader Danny anymore. You gotta call him Hoarder Danny. I don't know if you've heard that one yet, but that's the new nickname. Hoarder yeah. Danny, uh, for all of that that you know that he's been doing. But you know, that's another question mark. What what have we done with these trades? What have they done for our team? Is Fournier going to be recovered at some point during this? Are we going to be able to use him at all? Is he going to go back to hitting threes? Is he going to be nothing? Because if he's going to be nothing, that's a huge problem. The last question that I had is, is, is one going back to a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. And I think after this game last night, it kind of 
spurred it up in me again relating to Tatum here, and that is, is he too soft or is he going to be able to step up in the playoffs? I know he's had playoff performances before, but to dominate a series and and mentally take over as the number one player on the team, does he have that ability? You and I have both talked about how during this season he's had moments where he looked soft, and it was Jason uh, or Jalen Brown who basically had to pull him out of that and be like, "Hey, man, come along with me. We're going to go ahead and, t- and take over right now." I think, like I was, was starting off this whole topic with, the last night game against the Hornets was another situation where Jalen Brown was like. Hey man, we're coming out strong. He scores 20 points in the first quarter. Like, let's go. Like, I'm on this. We got to step up. We got to stop this losing, all of that. And he kind of takes control of the reins. And Jason Tatum, yes, he has a great game, 35 points. But was it because Jalen Brown was like, yo, we're going to go now. This is it. Like, let's go here. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this and I, you know me. And yeah. I've said this. I think Jalen Brown is just much of a superstar and important to this team's success as Jason Tatum. I think. In, the, in some instances, there are parts of Jalen's game that make him a better player than Jalen yeah. than Jason uh, than Jason. Definitely Tatum. parts of his personality, at least. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like his initiative, like you said last mm-hmm. night, to just be like, let's let's just go let's and take go. the lead. Let's just like I want to I want to come out first first quarter. Firing, running. we're going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're just gonna like. Be, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and I feel like for Tatum. It always takes him a while before he can really yeah. get be a cold blooded killer. And then you get it like takes a, him like two one or two quarters before like all right, right now he's going get it going. But something like, has to happen. He has, has to get pushed. He has to get like pushed into yeah. it basically. The Perkins comment. Mm-hmm. And then he gets pushed into like three or four games of going absolutely bananas. Right. Yeah. Jalen Jalen uh, Brown uh, last night's like, dude, watch. I'm going twenty points in the first quarter. Let's go. And then all of a sudden he's he's hitting. Yeah. It's like you need to get pushed. Yeah. I I do feel like Jalen is a better leader mm-hmm. at this point in his career than. 100%. Jason Tatum. Yes. Uh, Jalen is a better athlete. Um, yes. Jalen, you know, as far as just like looking at like the intangibles of like speed and so like too. jumping ability and like that kind of stuff. I agree. Obviously, Jalen has those abilities where like you'd love to see Jason try to use some of his athletic ability more. Yeah. Because J- he is long and athletic and like you, you watched him when he he's was a rookie it. dunking on LeBron James. He, you know, he's got those abilities. But so many times we, we're watching Jay, Jay, uh, Jason Tatum, yeah, uh, settle for jump shots, yes, and you know go soft to the rim or get the ball taken from him as he's heading to the rim, which I saw again last night. And, and it's, it's like, like he doesn't care. No, it's just like he <laughs> just smiles after. It's, it's the, the, same, it's it's the, the Kemba. Kemba thing. It's again, you know, it's tr- it's tough, and it's just uh, to me the the exact way to break down Jason Tatum versus Jalen Brown is you have the guy that was given all the skill and talent when he was born and he just kind of rode off of that and then you have the hardworking Jalen Brown over here who earned exactly what he got yeah. and maybe he didn't start off being able to shoot like Jason Tatum but he's damn well gotten close to that now by Big just time. effort you I, know mean, I mean I mean that was the biggest knock on him I remember when he we first drafted him and the guys were evaluating yep. him on 98.5 and is he going to get else. better is, is going to keep is, working. Uh, from what I heard, the guy can't shoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is this, is this a really good play, uh, you know, uh, pick it's, for the Celtics? It's almost like a guy project. Can't shoot? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then he's done nothing but improve his shooting ability from the time he came as a we rookie now look at Brown. to what he is he now, five years in the league. We and, look at him as a three-point shooter. Exactly. He's, a, he can, he's He's lethal as just about anybody in the mm-hmm, game mm-hmm. at putting out those shots. Especially when he as, gets on fire. He's and, going. And in situations when there's guys, right? He shoots with more guys yeah. all up in his face he's than smart, I've seen. He's intellectual about it. He gets into his spots and things like that. I think he also has the mentality to understand when he needs to defer. Right, mm-hmm. he he gets that a little bit more than Tatum, who always thinks it has to be him. Yeah. Or or if he's not involved, he doesn't care. 
Well, I think Jalen understands more if the, if the three's not going, Do I need to else. use my athletic abilities to you're, go make plays. You're an athletic freak. Go try and either dunk on their heads or dribble, penetrate, and pass out. And that That's was my biggest like problem with Jalen early in his career because I was like, this kid is so athletic. He's just and trying he has to dunk all the on speed everyone. And, and, no, but I'm like, I feel like he should be doing that more. Right, okay. And I feel like he was just trying to work the jump shot early yeah. in his career. But now... Obviously, you see it now. It's like, okay, now he's got the jump shot going. You learn. And he's learning how to like get to the rim and get to the foul mm-hmm. line. And then on top of that, he's one of the best defensive players we have. Oh, big time. You know big what I mean? So, uh, I don't think Jason even smells him. No, not uh, that way. I will say that he's gotten better. I will say Tatum's gotten better defensively, yeah. but he's not even anywhere close to the realm of, of a smart, of, let alone a smart, smart by a no. Brown or you know any of those other players. You can players. definitely tell Brown's been working on defense with Smart mm-hmm. and like you know mm-hmm. and Lob. I feel like those three, oh, yeah. Yeah. Lob, Smart, well, Lob's and, just, he's just lobbing shots into the, into the stands. Oh, my God. That block he had last night. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the on the, on the on the fast break oh, was unbelievable. Um, you know, so that's that's what we need though. We need him to be able to be there for those moments, and we need Tatum to not be soft. And I need you to just—I'm sorry—I just need you to mature. Just do it right in front of me. Do it in this playoff series. Do it in this home stretch right now, because that's the last major question that I have for this team: Is Tatum going to be the soft one? Maybe Jalen can just yank him along, right, and be the heart of of what we need, the leader, and just bring Tatum along. Yo, yo get your skill with us. Um, But I don't know. I just don't see it from Tatum right now. I just don't see it. So, With the 15th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the six-time world champion New England Patriots select Mac Jones. All right. So Mac Jones is the pick for the Patriots at 15 last night. So... That was uh that was a surprise uh, I think to some New England Patriots fans um you know at least myself and, and people who thought like-mindedly like I do uh in the fact that uh, you know Bill was going to just do what he does normally I had pretty much convinced myself that it was going to be a defensive player at 15 and then the possibility of trading for Jimmy Garoppolo in this with the second round pick or you take a Kellen Mond or one of those guys that we've talked about in the past in the later rounds. So it's surprising to me. I'm sure, uh, like I said, it's surprising to a, a few, at least a few others. Uh, I know that a lot of people were looking for the Patriots to take a quarterback in the first round, and usually when you are saying what you think the team actually needs to do, they completely go 180 on you and they go the other direction. So this was nice. They didn't trade back. Um, you know, they didn't take the defensive player, which I thought was going to be the move there. And even though that, uh, that Parsons kid, the linebacker, was taking a few picks before our selection, I thought that there still could be some other players that would be good for uh, the team defensively. But, you know, this is, uh, this is a good thing, right? This is a good thing, people, at least if you are looking towards the future, right? So we have... Now, the plan for the future quarterback of the New England Patriots, at least as of now. Now, you have no idea what this kid's going to be. Uh, That's kind of more the reason why I wanted to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, because of the fact that it was a known commodity. But now we are here with Mac Jones as the quarterback. Um, He, I believe, has the nickname of the Joker, so that should be uh, funny, I guess, for the beginning here. 
Uh, and if you don't know much about him, just wanted to kind of go over his draft profile that we have here. Uh, I'm looking it up on NFL.com right now. Uh, he is a six foot three or about six foot three. I think they have him listed at six two and five eighths tall quarterback, weighing in at 217 pounds. So a little bit lighter, as you know, for for that, but uh, a little bit shorter than you'd want, a little bit lighter than you'd want, I'd say. Um, but he, you know, it, it is a guy that we didn't even think we'd have a chance to get at 15. So um, this player played for Alabama. Obviously, working with Nick Saban was a huge factor here for Belichick, knowing more about the player. As we know, Belichick loves to talk to Saban about the Alabama players and, and go after them in the draft because he has more knowledge from the inside source there. Um, so, you know, last year, solid Solid job for Alabama, 4,500 yards passing, 41 touchdown passes, and only four interceptions. Um, you know, the, the things about him is his strengths are he won't make unnecessary chances or won't take unnecessary chances often. He uh, he has a feel for the pocket slides to avoid pressure. So he's good in the pocket, right? He's going to be a uh, not a game changer, but he is going to be a game manager for your team. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to be crazy in the run game. So I think that that's a little bit interesting because this team seems like it's going towards more of a run style, or at least it was last year, obviously with Cam Newton. So we're going to have to split this playbook in half, I guess. You're going to have the old school playbook, the Tom Brady style playbook with Mac Jones. And then you're going to have the new school playbook with Cam Newton for however many games he's the starting quarterback. Because, yes, unfortunately out there, if you don't know this, Cam Newton is still going to be the starting quarterback for this football team at the beginning of the year. I would suspect he'd go at least five or six games before you even see a question from the Patriots side of things on whether or not Mac Jones should be in there. That's just not how the Patriots operate. That's not how Bill operates. That's not how it goes. I guess we could say, though, that I thought that this is not how it goes for the draft and we wouldn't get a quarterback, and now they did. So maybe what I know is out the window at this point. Who knows? All I know is I am happy that they got a quarterback. I don't know if this was the right way to do it, but I'm glad that they're addressing the issue. So we have Mac Jones, who is projected to be, or at least by the NFL.com standards, uh, the NFL comparison is going to be a Daniel Jones so that's the New York Giants quarterback uh, who was drafted a couple of years ago and is, you know, I, I, I guess a comparable quarterback and someone who has promise. So that's a good comp, uh, you know, to what Mac Jones is going to be, hopefully. You know, with these, with these rookies, you never know. And so that's why, especially in the Patriots system, he's going to sit. He's going to start off as the third-string quarterback. He's going to have to bring, beat out uh, Stidham before he can even beat out Cam Newton. So don't expect him this year, or at least not for the first, like I said, you know, five, six weeks. And I do hope one of my first thoughts here uh, when we did make this pick was hopefully all of the Patriots fans or the ones who, you know, may have jumped off the ship and followed a certain quarterback to another team and rooted heavily for that quarterback and that team to succeed, maybe now you guys will feel okay to come back and root for 
you know, your home team again. That would be nice. I've heard a lot of people out there who jumped ship and, you know, and, and it was all based around quarterback issues and how things went down. And I get it. I do. I understand it. I know that I'm a crazier person, a diehard fan for my own team. And so I'm always going to root for my own team no matter what. But maybe this will give you guys the ability to come back and jump back over to this side of the uh, bandwagon for you. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe it'll be a good thing for you to be able to root for your team again. That'll be good. I don't really care. I don't want you back, to be honest, if I'm being 100% serious here. And I, I, I don't care what you think about my opinion on the matter. I don't think that you can still be a Patriots fan if you jumped ship like that and rooted so hard, not only against the team and against our coach, but you rooted so hard for another team. That just seems, that's to me, as a crazy fan, like it shouldn't be that way. But anyways, I digress. We're talking about Mac Jones here. And uh, Coach Kamire and I had talked about him as a prospect in past uh, episodes here. So I wanted to bring up an old clip of what we originally thought when talking about Mac Jones before the draft. Well, you know like, what I mean? First of all, how yeah. are you overthrowing Devonta Smith? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Just you're overthrowing on, the man. fastest receiver that is going to be in the league. Like I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Yeah, fastest guy uh, coming out of the draft, and you're just overthrowing him. That's yeah, tough. You know, I did hear that he was supposed to be more athletic than people thought, and maybe that's what sparked people going <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, he, he tried. He tried to get Belichick on it on him a little bit at yeah. the end of, at the end there by doing the uh, the old school Navy. He pitched oh, the ball. Geez. He pitched the ball out in the triple option, and then he went and ran to the corner of the end zone, and they threw the ball well, and we well. caught it but it was like bill see like what I it do? was something that like do. i could have done in my backyard when right. i was four years old right, it was it, it was not like i was it's like nothing. that does not prove no that my man is athletic no i mean like I, my man's built like a pillsbury doughboy <laughs> yeah. he's not it's uh <laughs> he's no, not seriously. he's not fooling anybody he's, he's not, not dual threat <laughs> he's not the one pillsbury doughboy that's the uh affectionate nickname that coach kamire has for this player now, I'm obviously going to ask this uh, to him next week when we get him back on to talk about the Patriots draft and every other pick that was made and everything like that. Uh, but Doughboy is a funny name to start off. I know I said that his nickname is supposed to be the Joker, but Doughboy is a good one to start off there. And if you've seen the picture of him partying with a cigar in his mouth after the, I believe, after Alabama won the national championship with his shirt off, uh, he is no looking no better than Tom Brady on his draft day picture uh, when he looked like a bag of milk or a doughboy, whatever you want to call it there. So um, I also was not a big fan of Mac Jones. I know we had heard all of the hype and everything about him. Uh, you know, I, I just don't feel like this was the way that I wanted to go personally, but we're going to ride with it because that's what we do as Patriots fans. And uh, I, I think that this player is going to be uh, hopefully a solid pocket presence and we can get back to the older style of the way that the New England Patriots offense ran. I don't know if that's how it's going to actually be, but we're going to try it out. And obviously, with the signing of two stud tight ends, this offense is built better for a rookie quarterback or somebody coming up or Cam Newton who can't, in my opinion, throw too far down the field have a couple of safety safety blankets in these tight ends to be able to grow as a quarterback for not only Cam Newton, but also Mac Jones. Connor Clifton digs the puck off the kick plate, finds his seam past Middlestad. Smith to Krejci, 
Krejci takes and what a goal! David Krejci sets up Taylor Hall for the clincher. Nobody, nobody manipulates time and space better than David Krejci. All right, Jack, let's relax a little bit there. But I loved that goal. I loved that effort. And I know that it started off a little up and down against this Sabres team that should be one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league. But hey, they got it done at the end of the day. And like I've said, all you need to do is take care of the games that you should win. And this team will easily get into the playoffs at this point. So Bruins get the big win last night. Uh, I am absolutely in love with the Krejci-Taylor Hall connection right now. Even on that play, Craig Smith also on that line, who made a great pass and took a big hit to make the play. That's the kind of stuff that you need. Love Craig Smith. He's a grinder. He's the kind of guy that's going to get in there and do the dirty work for you. And then you got the skill players with Krejci and Taylor Hall. And, and Krejci finally, or he's getting back to what he's looked like in the playoffs the last couple of years. He is looking as good as he possibly can with an actual talented wing partner on his line, and I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm very excited about it. It is good for this team to have two lines that you can rely on to actually consistently score. And yes, I'm. they are consistently scoring. You have Taylor Hall, who has now played maybe 11 games with the Bruins, and he already has four or five goals. Uh, he has a bunch of assists, too. So the guy, the kid is playing hard. He is trying. He is getting involved, and he is doing work. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy about the team right now. I'm even okay with Tuka Rask, though I, I still think that that is probably our major question mark going forward. But hey, we're in a good spot. We have a, a little bit of a lead uh, you know, over the Rangers while we're in fourth place here. And we're going to finish off this season, this regular season, really strong. I believe that. Our next game is Saturday against the Sabres. Then you have two games against the Devils. So that should be three games that you should win. You need to win. You need to keep this win streak going now. You just beat a really good Penguins team after losing to them one nothing. You came back and you showed up and you beat them 3-1. to one. Then... You go and play the Sabres, a team that you need to beat, and you did it, right? You did it handily at the end with some big goals at the end. Now you play the Sabres again, then the Devils, and then it gets tougher towards the end of the year. You have two games against the Rangers, a game against the Islanders, and one against the Capitals to end off the season, and I'm excited for it. I'm just excited for it. And the reason I'm excited about it is because I think this team has a real shot to make an actual run. I'm not going to tell you that they can win a Stanley Cup, but I think that they can beat a few teams and make it very interesting on the way to a solid playoff run. Now, like I said, they do have a little bit of a lead now over the Rangers. They're sitting in fourth place. They're only one point behind the Islanders currently, and they are four, uh, six points up on the Rangers there. So those two games against the Rangers are going to be huge to really just kind of lock it up if you can win both of those games, if you can go on a little streak here and beat the Sabres that you should beat and beat the Devils that you should beat in those two games, then you're going into a two-game set with the Rangers and you have a chance to just, just end it, end the questions, and make us a playoff team right there. So it is still coming down to the end. 
you could still, there is chances to blow it, but I'm not even going to think that way. I think that this team is a team that, with these moves that were made at the deadline, can make a legitimate deep run, and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it, people. I know you can probably tell by the amount of times that I say I'm excited about it. Are you interested in working in a professional studio environment? Whether you're a podcaster, new or old, or a musician just trying to get that professional sound, Ultrasound Production Studio is now available for podcasters, musicians, and everyone in between that are looking to get that great quality and production value that comes from working out of a professional studio. If you're interested in something like that, please visit the website at ultrasoundproductions.com or just email ultrasoundpro at yahoo.com or even call at 781-956-2426 for more information. All right, so I also want to talk about the Red Sox, get some baseball talk going here. I know I've been kind of ignoring that recently, but I need to. I need to get into it uh, because, you know, at some point, Baseball might be the only thing that we're able to talk about here. So, the Red Sox have been doing solid, obviously. First place in the East, tied for first place in the American League uh, with the Oakland Athletics at 16-10. and 10. Uh, And though they did just lose to the Rangers last night, uh, you know, they've been doing pretty solid recently. Um, they beat up on the Mets, even though the Mets have been slumping, and they were able to take care of Jacob deGrom, who was an absolute stud of a starting pitcher. They just barely squeaked it out with the Vasquez RBI double. But otherwise, uh, you know, the one to nothing game, it wasn't really exciting. Uh, but they were able to not strike out 14 times, which DeGrom had done in his past three appearances. At least 14 strikeouts for a starting pitcher in three straight appearances. That's pretty insane. So at least the Red Sox weren't falling victim to that. But. Uh, they had a good series against the uh, Mariners, where they were able to get two of those four games there. Um, and, and, you know, this team is is better, I would say, pitching-wise than I actually originally thought. So, I know at the beginning of the season, and uh, if you've been listening to the gambling takes and everything like that, I've been all about the overs and a lot of runs being scored in this game, whether it was due to the fact that the starting pitching for the Red Sox was going to stink or the opposing team was going to get lit up by our bats. I think that we do have a solid lineup. I mean, adding Verdugo into this lineup has been a really good addition here for the team so far on top of the players like Devers, like J.D. Martinez, like Bogarts. It's it's a solid lineup. You have Vazquez, who's considered one of the better hitting catchers in the league. You have a solid lineup. It's the pitching that we've had major question marks about. One of the major reasons behind that is because you don't actually have your ace in Chris Sale, who we spent all this money on, had this big contract for, and now he's still not back from his Tommy John surgery that he should have been back for the beginning of this season. Setbacks have happened, and I get that, but... Going into the season, you then had your your ace, your supposed ace, your ace in quotations as Eduardo Rodriguez. And he's a solid pitcher. And though he did have COVID and he was, he was struggling with that and everything, he has been pretty solid throughout the year so far, I would say. Then you have Evaldi. Nathan Evaldi seems to have gotten a few more pitches under control for him there. He used to just be a fastball uh, fastball slider kind of guy, um, you know, with that 100 mile an hour, more of a reliever, I would say. He was better used in a relieving situation where he just came in and threw gas for a couple innings. So 
He now seems to be picking up a couple of pitches. He got a curveball. I believe he's got, uh, you know, a, a nice um, changeup as well. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the pitches that they've talked about, but he's just basically added on a few pitches, making him a more dynamic pitcher. And so you have two solid starters at the start of your rotation. Now, the remainder of the rotation is what I was always worried about, right? Because you have, you know, that starting two pitchers that are going to get you at least a solid outing. I feel confident in Erod and Valdi to get you solid outings. But then when you start to go down the list and you get to the Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards, Martin Perez's of the world, those are the guys that I'm going to have big question marks every single time going into it. But so far this year, they've kind of been able to shut me up, if I'm being honest. The starting pitching has not really been the major reason for us losing games. I would say it's more on the relievers, right? It's more on who you're bringing in right after the starter that seems to be giving up good amount of runs uh, in these games and, and getting us out of these games, really. So that has been tough. But I still think, even after all of this, right, that at the trade deadline, the major thing that the uh, Red Sox should be going for is still another starting pitcher. Now, the reason I think that is because you have an aging Chris Sale that you don't know how he's going to return. You have Erod, who has had the COVID concerns, like I said, and who knows what's going to spring up with him. And I personally don't really trust Nathan Avaldi. I know that he's having kind of a re resurgence this year, but he seems like the type of pitcher that he'll he's 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 kind of streaky in a way, right? So he's going to go on this streak this year of having a lot of great outings, and he's got these new pitches and everything like that. And then either towards the end of the year or definitely next year, he's going to completely fall off the map again. That's how I feel. So we need to get some new young pitchers into this rotation, and maybe that means you have to just go after the farm system, which I know Bloom is all about, right? Rebuilding the farm system. And maybe you're going to need to go and do that, but I, I don't think that this team is going to be sellers at the market or at the trade deadline. So at this point, it seems as though we're going to actually be competing for a spot. And if you're not going to be able to get much out of Chris Sale, I'm hopeful but I'm not, you know, relying on Chris Sale at any point here. I know that he's heading down to Florida right now. He's still not pitching, uh, you know, but he's getting better, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't sound promising to me. I still think you need another solid arm at the trade deadline. You bring in one more solid pitcher, regardless of how I've been talking about the starting pitching to start off the year. You bring in one more solid pitcher, a number two or three guy in your staff, and now we are cooking. Now we're starting to talk about something. Now, I, I wouldn't put out or say that we shouldn't go after a reliever as well. But basically what you can tell from this is we need more pitching. I, I feel like we should focus on that fully. And the bats are going to, you know, get the job done for us. Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of gambling talk. Oh, yeah. Winning you some money. Gambling talk. Here we go. We're back at it again. And after last week, uh, at least Cam is above 500. I'm still sitting at right below it there after I went 3-3 three and three on my picks. Cam went a solid 4-1-1 one and one on his picks, doing really well on the baseball picks in that one there. So 
that is putting him up to or Cam up to an 87, 86, and 4 record. So if you've been following along this whole time with Cam's picks, he's finally gotten you above even there, which is nice. If you've been following me, I'm slightly under at 87, 88, and 3. So we're going to get into these picks right now, starting off with Cam's. Uh, I know that he has a little bit of everything for you today. He's even got a few bonus picks, so that should be interesting uh, with the you know with with everything going on in the sports world right now. So I'll let him talk about that and get into that right now. Yeah, Cam's best bets of the week, giving you winners as always. Starting off this week, I'm going to keep it rolling with the baseball picks. I've been killing it on these picks, so I hope you're listening. First game I'm going with is the Braves money line at the Blue Jays. The Braves have been really turning it up lately, and I think that they're going to take it to this Blue Jays squad that just doesn't have enough tonight. So Braves money line at the the Blue Jays. Next game I'm going with is the Reds. Minus one and a half at home against the Cubs. The Reds have been one of the highest scoring teams in the league and the Cubs are on a little bit of a slump right now. So I'm taking those Reds to beat up on them with the bats. Reds minus one and a half. Next game I'm going with is the Twins. Minus one and a half at home against the Royals. The Royals have been one of the better teams in baseball, but so are the Twins. And so I'm taking this team in this tough matchup here. I think that the Twins' bats are on point, and they're going to be able to take it home for us here. Last baseball pick I'll give you is going to be the Pirates. Minus .5. In the first five innings versus the Cardinals. So they're going to be winning by at least one run after the first five innings in the Pirates game. Book it. Next game I'm going with is going to be a basketball game. I'm taking the Suns. Minus four and a half at home against the Jazz. The real reason I'm taking this, even though I love the Jazz, is because Mitchell and Conley are both out for the Jazz tonight. That means the Suns are going to be able to beat up on them. Last pick I'm going to give you, we're going over to the NFL Draft. I think this Kellen Mond kid, that quarterback, is going to be taken in the second round because somebody's going to be looking to get a quarterback and he's one of the only ones left. What I'm going to do for you now, though, is I'm going to give you some bonus picks. I've been watching the horses, and I think I got some good winners for you here in the Kentucky Derby. I'm thinking that Rock Your World is going to be a definite winner here, but I wouldn't hate sprinkling a little on Mandaloon or King Fury. Those two horses look like they're going to be running well. Those are Cam's best bets of the week. All right, you heard him. Those are Cam's bets for this week. He even gave you some bonus picks on the Kentucky Derby, which is a little interesting. We're not going to count that against Cam's record. I told him or I was talking about it beforehand, and we decided that it should be considered a bonus pick because that's a little unfair to his overall record if he gives you three different horses in the same race, right? That just seems a little silly there. So, um... Uh, 
I am starting off with some NBA picks to get this going here. Uh, we are going to get it going with the 76ers minus 9.5 at home against the Hawks tonight. Um, the 76ers are completely healthy, and the Hawks couldn't be more injury-ridden uh, right now. Uh, they basically have all of their players, uh, at least at a game-time decision. Bogdanovich, uh, Capella, Herder, Hunter, um, you know Cam Reddish. Uh, and even Trey Young is a game-time decision as well. So all of those players are at least game-time decisions for the Hawks, and the Sixers are completely healthy. So I'm expecting them to be able to beat up on this injured team, regardless of if some of those players play or not. So I'm taking 76ers minus 9.5 at home against the Hawks. I know it's a lot of points, but I'm still taking it. Next one I'm going with is the Nets. Plus 2.5 at home against the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are a very solid team here. Um, and you know, it is kind of crazy, I think, to give the Nets points, but with the injuries, I get it. Uh, Harden will definitely be out, Durant will be there, and Kyrie is a game time decision. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens if Kyrie gets into this game, though, and he is playing solid. Uh, I know that he has a, a groin injury right now, but if he plays well in this game. I think that they will easily be able to take it. And so uh, the Nets plus two and a half at, at home against the Trailblazers is my pick there. The next game I am going with is the Bucks minus one at the Bulls. Now, I'm a little surprised by this line right here only being the one point, especially where we know that Zach Levine is out for the, the Bulls. Um, and Vucevic is a game-time decision. So they could have their two best players out tonight. Uh, Giannis is a game-time decision for the Bucks, but I still think that they'll be able to take it to this team, uh, the Bulls, without Zach Levine, even if they don't have Giannis. So I'm taking Bucks minus one at the Bulls uh, in that game there. The last NBA game I'm going to give you is going to be the Lakers minus eight at home against the Kings. Once again, it's all really about injuries with this game as well. Uh, you know, DeAndre Fox uh, is is going to be out. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, I'm sorry. I, I forgot about his name there. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is going to be out at least until May 4th is what people are saying. They also are missing Harrison Barnes. You don't know if Bagley is going to be in. He's a game-time decision. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball for the Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis is a game-time decision in this one here. So if he plays, they're going to really have an advantage. Um and I know that Schroeder is also a game-time decision, but he should be able to go in this one here. So I'm taking the Lakers to beat up on this injured Kings team. So I'm taking them Lakers minus eight at home against the Kings. Next game I'm going with is the Red Sox and the Rangers game. I'm taking the over eight and a half. I know I've been doing that a lot, and it's been a little up and down uh, for us. It did hit last week, actually, uh, you know, if you, if you want to count it all the way back, it's hit for the last two out of the three weeks with one of those being postponed. So it's been doing well when I pick them, uh, and I'm taking the Red Sox Rangers over eight and a half runs tonight uh, You know, so that we can get this going here. I know it's Evaldi on the mound, but I still believe that this game will go over. My last pick is going to be for Saturday. Uh, I am putting in a pick for the Bruins-Sabres game. I think it's going to be over five and a half goals in that game. Bruins just proved last night that they can really score on this team. And you got Swayman in that, which even though I, I have loved the rookie's play, 
I do think that he gives up at least two goals every game, so I think that you're going to be in for at least two on the Bruins side, and then however many we can score against the Sabres on the other side. So I think this game will go and score at least six or seven goals in it, and the Bruins will win it as well. So I'm taking Bruins-Sabres over five and a half for that last pick. All right, that'll do it for another episode of The Claptrap. I want to say thank you to anyone who is listening along here and continues to listen to this ridiculous nonsense that I put out on the airwaves here. But uh, like I said, I appreciate it, and I hope you can give me a follow online. I am on Instagram and on Twitter at The Claptrap, trying to get more involved with the social media side of things. I also have a website up now, which you can just search on Google or Yahoo, The Claptrap. You should be able to find everything involved with the podcast. And I am on the radio now on WKKL 90.7 down the Cape. You can also listen to it on WKKL.FM online. That is on Fridays from 12 to 2 p.m. every Friday. Uh, trying to get more active with the radio station and do more things with them uh, and hopefully the sports side of things in the future there. So keep listening for that. Thank you again, everyone. This is also up on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, everywhere you can find podcasts. So please give me a listen, give me a like, send me a message. I would love to interact with anybody out there who's looking to talk nonsensical sports topics with me. So thank you again, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. 